She Said, She Said. I'm your host, Laura Cox Kaplan. We have a very special show for you today. I'm joined by my dear friend, Susanna Welford. Susanna is the president, CEO, and founder of an amazing organization called Running Start. She's going to talk about what that means. Um, in the interest of disclosure, I am a member of Susanna's board and have been involved with the organization for some time. Um, so that's important for you, for you to know that as we start our conversation. Susanna, hello and welcome. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. And I would, I would say you've just celebrated a birthday this I, week. I celebrated a very big birthday. Yesterday was my 50th birthday. And um, I have decided to celebrate it very loud and honestly because women don't talk about age. Yay. And we should, we should embrace our age. Men can be whatever age they want. And women always have to be under 40. So, How do you feel about this birthday? I feel empowered and wonderful. I'm in a good place in my life, and it, it feels like um, like it's I'm happy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're amazing, and we're so happy to have you here. Thank you. So let's talk about Running Start. What is Running Start for the benefit of our listeners? Well, first, I have to tell the listeners that one of the best things that ever happened to Running Start was having Laura Cox Kaplan join our board, and then I convinced her to be one of our board co-chairs this uh, this year. So, um, so that was wonderful for us. So, Running Start You're nice is to say that. well, no, it's totally <laughs> true. Anybody who knows you knows that that's true. You're very sweet. Um, so, Running Start was it really came out of this idea that there are not enough women running for office. And in order to get more women to run, we really needed to go back to basics and think, all right, what holds women back? What are the things um, that make women think that politics is not um, a place that is appropriate for them um, or where their, their gifts might be um, used well? And so back in 2007, well, I suppose it was 2006, I was taking a walk one day and thinking, you know, what could we do to really start looking at this problem in a different lens? And I decided, let's talk to high school and college age women about what politics means, what elected office really is, what you can do in those positions, and hope that we can, by talking to them about this at an early age, really change how they feel about this so that running for office becomes something they would consider. Was there a moment um, that really crystallized the need for this in your mind? Because there are lots of different ways that you can tackle the problem of not having enough women in office, right? Mm, yeah. So what was it about this particular idea that resonated with you? Because quite frankly, mm -hmm. the idea of empowering women at such a young age to think about elected office, not so much leadership, but yeah. the elected office right. piece is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. Right. That's one of the things that, that has always resonated with me about Running Start. So so why? This was yeah. 12 years ago. No, I mean, I, I think maybe at the time I, I didn't know this, but now I really think a lot of the reason that I chose this particular path was very personal. I, I think that I looked at myself and I thought, what's holding me back from considering ever um, running for, for office or stepping into a... Um, leadership position, what's held me back in my life? And so much of it are things that aren't real. They're things like confidence or feeling like I'm not the best person for the job or that somebody else is going to know much more than I know. 
And when I thought about that and then looked at all of the other amazing women who I know who are so accomplished and that they felt many of the same things, it was like a light bulb went off. And I thought, you know, if somebody had told me and been very convincing at a young age that I, I was not unique in feeling this way, that everybody feels this way, especially women feel this way. And if they'd been convincing at a young age, it really might have changed the way I thought about things. I might've been able to, um, probably I still would have had those negative thoughts that I, I didn't have what it takes, but I'd be able to look at that thought in a different context and say, I know you think that and you're feeling insecure about this, but the truth is a lot of women feel that way. And you actually would be great at doing this. And so that's what we do at Running Start. We really, we, we take the insecurities that I've experienced in my life and seen with the women I know and um, brought it to high school age girls where we can really work on their psychology of what they think of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's working so beautifully, Laura. It's really amazing how um, impactful you can be in changing their whole trajectory in life. One of the things that I find frankly, so surprising is that you've been doing this for 12 years, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's, we know a lot more about the types of roadblocks or challenges mm -hmm. or things that women in particular tend to put in their own path. Right. But you're still seeing this with the young women going through this program, or I guess I should rephrase the question. No. <laughs> how, no, I, I get it. how have they changed or how are, are the young women who are entering the program today different than they were 10, 11, 12 years ago? So, you know, I, I wish that I could say that, that we have learned something in these 12 years, we as a culture, as a society. Um, and maybe we have a little bit. I mean, I think that there is um, more of an emphasis placed on young women that they can absolutely succeed no matter what. And it's funny because that sounds like such a good thing. You want your daughter to know I can be anything and I can succeed. Um, but it's an interesting thing because what I see is even if maybe 12 years ago, there wasn't as much emphasis put on girls, you know, can do anything. The insecurities stay. And a lot of the girls who are so incredibly amazing, I mean, the resumes that we get when they apply to our programs are um, I mean, they're better than ours. They, <laughs> right. you know, they, they, they've started four nonprofits and been head of their class and everything. Um, but they still face that, that barrier that says, I'm not good at things that I would need to be good at in order to really step into the limelight. And that's fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, their resumes have improved over those 12 years, but it doesn't mean that they see themselves in in any different way. Let's talk specifically about some of the specific programs that Running Start runs. So you've got the umbrella organization, which is Running Start. And then underneath that, you have a number of different verticals, mm -hmm. if you will, mm -hmm. to use my sort of business terminology. Right, right. Um, talk to me about some of the, all of them are unique in their own ways, but when you look at those programs, give us a little yeah. bit of an example about how the specific programs run. Yeah, so I mean, we basically, we have three main programs. And in those programs, um, we have high school, and then we have two college programs. And the second college program is really for women who are just about to graduate college, and maybe they've already graduated and they're moving on to their professional life. 
And the interesting about, thing about all of these three programs is we do the same training, even if, so the high school program is seven days, um, and it's very, very intensive. Our elector program that we do for women who are in college is four hours. The curriculum's the same, whether we condense it or not, um, and the message that they're getting from us tends to be very, very similar. So even though we have these three separate programs for the different age uh, range, it's it's a very similar um, message, and they come out of it hopefully feeling um, empowered, confident, and understanding how much they need it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the big thing that we want them to walk away with. Can you give us a few examples of the curriculum and what what yeah. what, what makes up the curriculum? Yeah. So. I'll tell you, I think it's so interesting, having done this for so long, having trained, um, done literally thousands of these trainings, there's magic to it that I don't even exactly understand. Hmm. And I think that, that, um, that that's something that will probably always puzzle me, is that we do this thing, it seems so simple, Laura. I mean, you know, because you, you've done them. Mm -hmm. um, and but it really, really works. So I'll give you, I'll give you just two examples. Um, in every program that we do, we make them come up with a message. So what is their purpose? What do they care about more than anything else? And many of them, um, many of them have very serious concerns. They, um, a lot of the young women we work with come from poverty. They come from um, dysfunctional families. It's a very diverse group. Oh my God! So it's so crazy diverse that we'll have, you know, kids who come from um, a homeless shelter, but then we also have some of um, the wealthiest kids going to the very best schools, and they're all mixed up together, which is beautiful. Um, but so we, one of the first things that they do in every one of our programs is what is your purpose? What is the one thing that you care about more than any other thing and that you want to sort of be known for? Um, and then we have them create a, an elevator pitch. That's so simple, right? I mean, that's like that's something that that um, you learn in school and you learn in all sorts of trainings. It's not inherently magical, but the way we do it is we say, "All right, Laura, I want you to think of what is your purpose? Like, what's this one issue you care about more than anything? You're going to write an elevator pitch, but here's what you need to do on the elevator pitch. You need to begin with, "My name is Laura Cox Kaplan, and I'm running for Congress." And then you talk about why you're running, and that's your purpose. And then you have to end with, so please vote for me. And so those are simple words, and they're so incredibly difficult for people to actually say. Mm. Um, because I think we're not used to standing up and saying something that is so um, audacious, really. Like, I am going to run for Congress. It's it's such a... It's a, a terrifying thing for so many women and I've actually had women tell me well I'm not I, I can't do that like I'll say you know I want to start a nonprofit or something but I could never run for office and just having them say those words and play that role for a little bit it's uh it's really important to them even if they've just played that role for five minutes it's really important um and then another thing that we work on that I think is really unique is thinking about their network understanding that nobody gets to the top alone and that you you have everybody has a network whether they use it or not and that those people really do want to help them and that they need to conquer their fear of reaching out to people 
and um, figure out how to utilize that network because that is the most important thing that, um, that, that leads to success is having a network of people who can help connect you to opportunities or um, can listen to your ideas and help fine tune them or just be supporters. So that notion of networking also raises yet another initiative. It's always been part of the program, mm -hmm. but you've really doubled down on this notion of mentorship. Yeah. And at your gala dinner, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is a very unique um, evening, the focus was really on mentorship. Yeah. So let's talk about how Running Start is sort of formalizing to some degree right. the mentorship model for the women going through the program. Yeah, so when I was talking earlier about magic, I think that one of the magical things is that we, so I utilize, I've learned to utilize my network very well. So I meet somebody and if they're interesting and they seem like they have something to offer, um, I make sure that I bring them in to come speak to the students because I want to them to have exposure, not just to women in politics, but women succeeding in you know any number of fields. Um, these women are so connected. They're so high level. They're just such impressive, amazing people. And so I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been literally collecting. You're one of the people I've collected. <laughs> I am honored. Um, <laughs> I am very, very honored. But, but so we, you know, over 12 years, the network of people who've come in and volunteered, spoken to the women, informally mentored is huge. And if you think, like if you're a student who's coming from Oakland, California, you have an unstable home life, you've never had good mentors either in your family or your school, even if you're the brightest kid on earth and the most ambitious, it is going to be really hard for you to get where you need to go because you need connections. And so that's one of the things that Running Start um, has always done is we've connected these students with somebody like you, frankly, who can help connect them to opportunity. But so as you, as you just mentioned, we've decided to formalize it so that we can reach more. And so everybody um, will have the opportunity to go on our website, create a profile, which we're going to do it through Facebook, so it'll be such an easy thing to do. You, know, you just click, and there's your, your um, profile. And then you, so for example, you can be a mentor for people, but then you actually have the opportunity to also be a mentee if you felt like it. Hmm. So say there's a college-age woman. She'd be a fantastic um, mentor for a high school or a middle school student. And, but she also would probably love to be your mentee. So we want it to go up and down, and we have women all over the country. Um, one of some of the more interesting people we have are young elected women in um, local office, in state office. Um, I hope that we'll be able to get some of the women in Congress to do this as well. And so, you know, regardless of where you live, we hope we can connect you with a mentor who can really get you on your way. The investment in young women and getting them to identify as potential future elected mm -hmm. leaders is a long-term proposition, right? <laughs> yeah. You would be yeah, the first to acknowledge oh, that, yeah. right? Right. 12 years in, but you are beginning to see young women oh, actually yeah. seek not just local offices, mm -hmm. but actually state and federal offices. So yes. talk a little bit about the success stories that you've had. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one of my favorite um, success stories is this woman, Avery Bourne, who was a state legislator in Illinois. She was uh, elected, or she was appointed to office when she was 22. She um, 
sought that appointment the year after she left our Star Fellowship Program. Mm -hmm. And then she just got elected in her own right. Um, so she's still just 24. And she's a state representative. She's a state right? rep. And she's the youngest person who's ever been in that position. And she talks very candidly about how difficult it, it has been to convince people that she knows what she's talking about. She's serious. She has good ideas. But um, now she's on her way. And I'm, I'm so... I'm so pleased with her um, and her trajectory. And then um, a couple years ago, we had this great moment in, I'm a DC native, so I have to brag about DC. Um, we had these three women in the same year all run for um, advisory neighborhood commissioner. It's a very local office in DC, but they all three ran after doing our Elect Her program. And they literally walked out of the program, ran for office, and they all three won. So there have been a lot of, um, of great examples. And as you must know, this year, I just I can't open my email without having somebody say, I'm running. Um, so it's, it is very exciting. And you haven't mentioned this yet, but I think that one of the other most unique things about Running Start is that our candidate or our, our participants who are running for office, they are from every part of the ideological spectrum. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are um, everything from libertarians to Democrats, uh, Bernie Sanders Democrats, to uh, to conservative Republicans. And that, I think, is great. And I actually was standing next to two of our past students yesterday um, at this event. And one of them was a very conservative Republican, and the other was a conservative, a, a liberal Democrat. And just hearing their conversation, and they both want to run for office. They're both planning their races. They're great friends. They're talking to me about it. I mean, that's what politics should be mm -hmm. and almost never is in mm -hmm. America. But that, that's one of the things that we're trying to, to really foster. How difficult is that? Right, we should acknowledge that you, you <laughs> we yourself, should acknowledge this. Yes. you yourself identify as a Democrat. Right, I identify as a Republican. Mm -hmm. We are great friends yes. and get great value from the diversity of perspective right. that you and I bring both to our friendship as well as to the organization. Right. But let's talk about how is that difficult for for you personally? Right, you do have a, a particular. Um, political ideology that's that's personal to you. So why is the right answer to run an organization that is bipartisan? Talk to me about um, why that matters. So that's one of the things I feel the most strongly about. And I, you know, I I have a lot of democratic credentials on my resume and I I really am a real democrat, you know. Um, however, I look at the way politics is working right now where we're vilifying um, the other side and it's just, it's nothing is working. I mean, things are at such um, a standstill. And so um, that's part of my grand plan is we're not just training young women to get into politics and do politics as usual. We're hopefully training them to become really good leaders where they will understand the importance of respecting the other side. And I think that when I think of our relationship, mm -hmm. I think that that's, you respect me, hopefully. Yeah, I of course. really respect <laughs> you. And so even though we don't always agree on issues, I know that your things that you're, you're saying, your points of view come from um, 
something that you really deeply believe. And so I'm going to listen to it with respect. And so that that is what we talk to our students about. And we have had uncomfortable situations um, where we have groomed our STAR Fellowship program. Um, we actually have a house for them, and the um, students live together for um, a semester. How many are there, Suzanne? Right now there's seven, okay. but I'll tell you our grand plan is that in the next few years we want to grow that to have a young woman in every female member of Congress's office. That would be great. And to viewers or listeners who may not know that, that's um, right now that's, if you include the delegates, <laughs> that's 109. So we want to go from seven to 109, but um, we know that, that we can do that. So they live together and sometimes we'll room a Democrat with a Republican and they'll call us the first night like, I cannot room with her. This will never work. <laughs> she just put up a pro-life poster and I'm not pro-life. And But the thing that we've learned is it always works out in the end. If you were approaching them with a message of, look, you got to find common ground. You all, we all are in this together. We all are fighting for the same goal. So figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then, strangely, they do. I mean, we've never had a case where somebody has just, you know, absolutely been like, well, I'm not going to talk to her because I don't believe in what she believes in. How do you coach them to really engage mm -hmm. and, and develop a... Uh, a connection with somebody who has very different views politically and ideology potentially, and who also yeah. may come, you know, who, who may be diverse from a socioeconomic oh, standpoint, yeah. as well as being having a different point of yeah. view politically. So, so how do you coach the young women to develop these relationships, recognizing that they come to the conversation yeah. from different perspectives? Yeah, but so I, I think it really is about the tone that we set. And so um, in each of our programs, we talk about how they're all there for the same reason. We have got to get more women into leadership positions and politics is the ultimate goal because you have the most power in politics. And we talk about how they have to get there together. They have to work together. They have to be like the women in the Senate who have been incredible in having dinner together in um, solving issues together. And I really do think that it, a lot of it is um, subtle, but it's how we frame it consistently every day, every time we talk to them. Um, and many of them, they've never been in positions where they've had to get outside their bubble. It, it's uncomfortable. In fact, you know, I've been doing this for so long, and I have to say, it's still uncomfortable for me when I'm in conversations with somebody who feels differently about an issue, because we all believe what we believe so strongly. Mm -hmm. But I think as long as you can have that perspective of respect and understanding, like as deeply as I feel what I feel, they feel it too, then, you know, if, if you sort of put it into that framework, it, it takes you a long way into actually standing down and realizing, okay, I'm just going to listen. And, um, I think that that, again, is some of the magic of Running Start. I'm not exactly sure why it works and why we're able to bring together such different people, but um, it works beautifully, and they stay friends for years. In fact, and then I'll, I'll let you ask another question, but um, I was speaking to a Republican woman who is running for office um, just the other day, and she was telling me that the best thing that Running Start did for her was it took her out of her narrow network mm -hmm. and introduced her to all of these other people who she never would have known because they were different, different ideology. And that, I love that. That's what we should do.
because we all need networks as broad as possible. Some people listening may have an amazing idea, mm-hmm. uh, maybe an idea for starting a business, mm-hmm. maybe it's starting a nonprofit like you did. What advice would you have for women out there who are contemplating mm-hmm. this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I just want to tell everybody very strongly that I had no background in this at all. I mean, I did not know how to start a business or how to start a nonprofit. But you were a lawyer. I mean, oh, you were a successful yes, lawyer. Oh, my God. But, I mean, not really. I mean, I... I <laughs> oh, come on. No, I mean, but I... I, I <laughs> yes, she was. All right. <laughs> so, she was a lawyer. But, so, but, but it, you don't learn how to do it. Right. You, and so the first thing I did was I, uh, with my fabulous friend, Stacey Beckerman, um, we co-founded a PAC together, Political Action Committee, she probably knew more than I did, but I mean, both of us, it's just like, you're just sort of walking in the dark, trying to figure things out. And then with the nonprofit, nonprofits are a totally different world than PACs. Oh my gosh. I mean, I I feel like I'm still figuring things out 12 years later, but my advice, um, I always knew with Running Start why I was doing it. And so many people tried to distract me from that purpose. So, um, I mean, the first thing is politics. I'm a Democrat. I'm starting this organization. Why not just make it for Democratic young women? Mm Because I know them. I'd never have those uncomfortable moments. But I really very firmly felt it had to be for all women. Because we have such low numbers of women in politics that to say we're going to only work on this one segment, it's just so short-sighted. So so that was the first thing. And then the second thing that I, I promised I get this all the time still today is why do you need to talk to the women about politics? Why not just teach them about leadership? And there have been leadership programs for women forever, but for some reason politics is not included in so many of those programs because I think they think politics is this unsavory realm where why would women ever, women are too smart to get involved in politics. And the truth is the people who who are in politics, they are the top leaders. They are the top word in how our society works, in in the laws that affect our lives. And if we don't have women there, our views will never be represented the same way. And so, so I think I literally, especially in the early days, would wake up every morning thinking, does this still make sense to me? And it did. And knowing exactly what, what my mission was and holding tight to that, I think that that took me further than than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, would is it fair to say that you were a little scared, a little fearful in those oh, yeah. early days? Oh, and yeah. What I was mean, it that was it was it just simply the ability to answer that question of why that enabled you to overcome that fear, or what was it that helped you continue to persevere? I feel like there's probably a better story here, but but the, the truth <laughs> is, it, it really was. Uh, so in the beginning, I, I would say that the thing that I did um, wrong, absolutely, was I didn't ask for help nearly as much. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I When I say I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know what you needed to do to set up a nonprofit. And so I would have, oh my gosh, it would have been so much easier if I had sought help, asked people, said, look, I don't exactly understand how this works. Can you help me? I mean, clearly, I must have done some of it, but I didn't do it as much as I should have. Why? I mean, oh, I, because I, I was scared. Because I was scared of people thinking, oh, she, 
what is she even thinking doing this thing? She doesn't even know how to start a nonprofit. She doesn't even understand this part of it. And um, admitting what I didn't know would have been would have been really smart, mm-hmm. I think. Why is that so hard for us? I mean, I, I you oh know, this God. is a, a very it, common thing. I suffer is. from it, always have. I think at this point, you know, you're you're hitting this big birthday. I'm right behind you. Um, <laughs> and I think much more empowered mm-hmm. to say I don't know and to acknowledge that now than I ever would I know. have been. I know. But why does it take so long at the point in which you get the benefit of people know. knowing that you probably don't know? <laughs> you're less willing to admit it. And now, I know. Yeah, why is that? So I think that women are still, um, we're not the natural leaders that people expect. Like we, we for millennia have had a leader who looked a certain way. He was masculine. He was, he was, um, usually a certain age and, um, women are still trying to find our way in leadership. We're still trying to figure out what we look like, how we lead, um, what we say, we're still trying to figure out um, what it means to be a leader. And so I think that a lot of it has to be bravada of um, trying to look like we know everything and that we're strong. And I think we will really succeed when we're able to be more vulnerable and say, this is hard for me and I don't always know what I'm doing and I, I, I need help. But I think we're still trying to be that invulnerable leader because not enough of it, us have made it to the top to make it feel comfortable to admit that we're not as strong and capable as we might be perceived. So as you think strategically about your long, sort of short and long-term goals for the organization, mm-hmm. right? where do you hope Running Start will be in five years, 10 years time? Well, so we're actually doing a lot of planning on that right now, and it's it's a great time for us because it's already tested. We know that this works. I mean, we have thousands and thousands. We've now trained over 15,000 students. So we have no doubt that our methods work, the way we're doing our trainings work, um, that it's going to lead to a great result. As you say, it's a long-term game. It's going to take a little bit longer. Um, So right now what we're doing is trying to figure out how to scale. And we have very ambitious plans to take the programs that we do, keep what's really great about them and magical about them, but bring them to more people. And so we are hard at work on that now, and we should be unveiling plans. Actually, later this year, we should be um, in that position. Because this message, I've done this so much that, let me give you an example. So I went to... um, teach our elector program, which is a one day, that's the four hour program for college students. I went to go um, teach it at a law school and law school's not our normal demographic. They're older, you know, some of them are much older. And I, I had a moment of thinking, maybe this will not resonate because these people are so sophisticated. I mean, they've already gone through all of college and here they are in law school mm-hmm. and um, they're obviously very successful people. Maybe they don't need this. And they do. I mean, it, it's so funny. Like so much of, of what we teach the 14-year-old high school girl at our summer program is the same message that resonated so perfectly with these law students at this top law school. Um, and that to me makes me realize we need to go 
everywhere because people are not hearing this message. So many, I mean, forget just young women, so many women have never had anybody say, have you ever thought about politics? You could do a lot of good if you were in politics. That issue you really care about, that's something that could be um, a great platform to run for office. And I think that without that encouragement, women don't think it's their place. They don't feel like it is appropriate to say, I might want to run for office. Someone might not like them. Someone might not like them. Ooh, <laughs> God forbid. And, or might think that they think too much of themselves, you know? And so I think that we're really understanding how important it is to get to as many young women as we possibly can with this message that you are good enough. You do have what it takes. Politics is not some, you know, magic thing that you're born knowing how to be an elected leader. You can learn everything. And we've got to get more women in because we will never have the best leadership we can have in this country until we have real diversity of leadership. We don't have it right now. No, we don't. We absolutely don't. Um, one thing that we touched on a couple of minutes ago that I'd love to circle back on is uh, the big gala dinner that you do. Hmm. Um, and while that in it, that notion of a gala dinner... It sounds boring. It sounds, sounds really like you're boring. Eating it sounds a lot like of chicken. A, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But the, that's exactly the reason why I raise it. Because I've been to a lot of these, most of us have been to a lot of these dinners where every nonprofit or charity or organization that you work with has some kind of celebratory um, dinner or right. experience, right, where they use it for fundraising and all that sort of thing. So for all of our, both folks that work in nonprofits as well as those who are aspiring, what's so interesting about what you do at Running Start is that it really is an embodiment of the program, mm -hmm. of the Running Start program itself. So describe what happens at what's called, it's called Women to Watch. Young Women to Watch. Young Women yeah. to Watch. And we just hosted it about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And describe what happens in that evening. Yeah, and maybe first I'll say that when we started doing these dinners, we actually, weirdly, launched Running Start with a dinner, which is very audacious if you think about it. Um, but we thought what we would do is we'd find the sort of the best and brightest women in the community to bring in. So people like the D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser or Erin Burnett, mm -hmm. um, you know, fabulous uh, on-air personality. And we would bring people like that and we would honor them. And people did like that because they got to see interesting people. But what we realized over the years is that people would leave our dinner knowing everything about Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C. or Erin or Burnett, but they wouldn't really know anything about Running Start. So what we have morphed it into now is a real celebration of the young women who we've trained because, I mean, I know I'm a little bit biased in saying this, but they're so remarkable. They are, if you ever feel bad about the young generation, you need to come to one of our dinners or come to one of our networking programs because they are incredible people who are really looking at how they can use their lives to change the world. And they, they just, they never cease to impress me. And so now they're the focus of the dinner. So we do actually a contest in the months leading up. It's a campaign simulation. And then um, several of them are chosen to be finalists. They come to the dinner. And then their job at the dinner is to network with everybody there. And they're, frankly, it's a very high-level audience. There are intimidating people who attend 
but their job is to get their vote. So they have to go and make a good impression, hand out a business card that we give them. And then they give a speech that, um, it, you know, what could be more intimidating than giving this um, one minute speech in front of, you know, almost 400 people. It, it's incredibly intimidating, but they do such a good job. And then the audience votes on them. Mm -hmm. And one is chosen as our ambassador. And I'm so happy we do it that way because it's very organic. And the things that they talk about, they're not the normal things you hear when you go to a dinner or you go to you know, some Washington event. It's fresh. It's, and it's different. personal to them. Oh, it's very the personal to them. women in the program. Yeah, exactly. And so they are our absolute best ambassadors um, for Running Start because they, they bring their life experience to it. They can talk about what it means to, A, have gone through Running Start and what Running Start gave them, but then why they want to lead, what they're going to do with their lives. And the perspective can be so different from what we hear when you listen to, say, a political ad on TV. They are not the average person. And as, as you said earlier, they're so diverse. I mean, we were talking about political diversity, but they really do come from small towns, big towns, every part of the country. They, um, different socioeconomic levels, different race, religion, um, uh, sexual orientation, everything. And I love that. So it's, it, and that's something that has happened organically too. Um, we, those are the, that's the audience who chooses us. I feel like we have just barely scratched the surface. There's so many other topics that I want us to talk about. But in the interest of time yeah. and reserving the right to come back to you yeah. and talk about some sure. other topics yeah. um, in a few months, I would love it. Uh, we ask each of our guests to leave us with a favorite life hack, either something that you oh. share with other people or something that's been shared with you that has made a huge mm -hmm. difference in your life and trajectory. Yeah. Um, could be good or bad, frankly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's funny because um, something pops to mind immediately, which is that um, throughout my life, people have tried to tell me uh, I should accept an opportunity. Like when, when you're offered an opportunity, there frequently are a lot of people who will come come up to you and say, you need to do this thing. And it's nice to have encouragement, but I have found the most valuable thing is that I always end up relying on myself to make those really big decisions about which direction my life is going to go. And I'm an introvert, and I really understand how important it is for me to weigh big decisions in the light of what I need in order to be happy and comfortable and, um, and to stay sane. So I, I do, I make a lot of decisions about, you know, even if it's something as little as flying to California for a speech, I will say no to things. Maybe that's really, maybe we should just define it as I've learned how to say no to things mm. that I know might look good on my resume, but are not ultimately going to make me happy because they're too exhausting. So, do you have a process you use? I mean, I'm, I I think you're I think that is incredibly good advice, but it can be very mm. difficult to follow. So, what's yeah. the process that you use for knowing what's right for you? So, I talk to everybody and listen to everybody's opinion. Yeah, I get a lot a lot of input because I you know they talk about how with important things, you need to have a kitchen cabinet who is um, advising you. 
I have a huge kitchen cabinet. You're part of it. And, uh, and so right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so helpful. It it, it, helpful. And it, and it, with people that you respect and trust. And so, but then at the end of the day, I go home. So I, I just had, um, a decision, a big decision, um, that I had to make. And I listened to everybody. I must've called 15 people about this. And then I went to bed that night and just, I lay awake for probably three hours thinking through everything and trying to really weigh things, weigh what other people said, but then try and figure out, okay, so what do you really think about this? And how is this really going to make you feel? And I think the hardest thing for, especially for women is to make sure that you're not making decisions out of fear, that you're not saying no to things because you're afraid of them. And so that's one of the things that I, I go through in my head. I'm like, okay, so is this because it's genuinely not the right thing or is it because I'm worried I might not be good at it? And if you, if you have that time to yourself to really think, you can usually figure it out. That's awesome. We're going to leave it there. Okay. Thank you so much. So wonderful to have Thank you. Thank you. I hope that our listeners can tell um, you know, part of what makes these conversations so special for me, and I hope this comes through in the podcast, is the fact that I'm talking to amazing people who I have had a close, many of whom I've had a close relationship with for many years, Susanna included. And it's really wonderful to have an opportunity to showcase the amazing things that you're doing, how you think about life and how you think about impact and how you think about the why of what you're doing and why that is so important um, is really great. And I hope that that comes through. No, well, it's so fun to talk about it. You asked great questions. And can I just tell the uh, listeners too that, if they are interested in becoming a mentor, they can go to runningstart.org and check out our, we're about to unveil a brand new website, but they can um, go and they can sign up for our mentorship program. You know what else we'll do? We'll right. include that in the show notes. Oh, that's a good today idea. Good. As well. Okay. So thank you so much. Uh, for anyone interested, uh, you can find this episode on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on our website at www.shesaidshesaidpodcast.com. There we'll include some additional information about Susanna and Running Start uh, and other elements of the programs that we talked about today. Thanks so much for listening. Susanna, Thank thanks. you. Thank you. Thank you.